Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Nuria Martinez-Keel. And I'm Dale Denwalt. You're listening to The Source. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the Oklahomans' most impactful stories with the reporters who wrote them. A -a one-of-a-kind contract between the state of Oklahoma and a barbecue restaurant company is under criminal investigation. A whistleblower now claims the company significantly overcharged taxpayers while operating in state parks. The Oklahoman's food editor, Dave Cathy, is here today to unravel his investigation into the state's contract with Swadley's Barbecue. So, Dave, what's so strange about the contract between Swadley's and the state? Well, uh, I'll tell you, Nuria, it, it is truly one of a kind. The state has never uh, granted a contract like the one Swadley's got. Um, uh, the only explanation that they've been really that, that I've been able to glean from the Department of Tourism at this point was that they were charged with making uh you know making the department a top 10 making the parks a top 10 and they had this idea to uh to replace restaurant spaces concession spaces in uh well it started with five state parks uh into one branded restaurant and they chose Swadley's to install what they call foggy bottom kitchen in into the into these spaces and that alone was everything about this was brand new from one operator for all the restaurants to the idea that the restaurateur was going to become was going to be a de facto general contractor and, and be uh, in charge of capital improvements, not only to the restaurant, but to the lodges themselves and the grounds, which ended up costing the state, you know, we're somewhere around 17 million dollars. But that's that's just with the beginning accounting that's been done. So we'll see in the end what these projects actually cost. That 17 million only, I think it's 16.7 that the state paid directly to Swadley's for these projects, but we don't know what the overall cost of the projects is yet. Well, we've learned now that a former employee of Swadley's came forward with allegations months ago. What concerns did that person raise? Yes, uh, our our whistleblower in this case, uh, he came forward back in September uh, of 2021 and, uh, and, and approached uh, the De- Department of Tourism, the director of finance. He, he actually contacted Jerry Winchester, the executive director, about what was going on and what he saw. And what he said he saw was serious overcharging. And well, some of the things, some of the things that wouldn't necessarily be criminal, but like, like we have uh, reporting on these uh, management fees and surcharges that were, were added to so many invoices, up to 44% added to every invoice. That was just general overcharging. But within those invoices, he pointed directly to a pair of smokers. Uh, the state paid uh, something like 123000 for two smokers, uh, which found on wholesaling on, on, uh, online for $29,000. Uh, and then he also added, well, those smokers weren't even bought new. Those smokers were pulled out of a Swadley's restaurant down in Ardmore that we didn't like and then they moved to two of the state parks. So now you're talking about actual fraud if these, if these charges are true. 
So it's it's incredibly serious charges. And my sources within state government and and and, and this thing tell me that they believe for something like this to go on, you have to have somebody at Swadley's uh, misbehaving, but then you also have to some, have somebody on the inside rubber stamping these these invoices. So that's where the, the, the investigation is headed. So fiscal reports and lawmakers have been raising questions about the deal with Swadley's, but now law enforcement is involved. So what agencies are looking into this and what might that mean going forward? Yeah, well, right now we know that the OSBI uh, began an investigation on March 25th. Uh, that was uh, at the request of Oklahoma County District Attorney David Prater. Previously, the uh, Legislative Office of Fiscal Transparency b- launched a uh, investigation that started back in October. And that was in response to a meeting that the tourism, that some uh, tourism commissioners and legislators had with Jerry Winchester with concerns about the cost overruns that they were already experiencing. There were supposed to be seven restaurants installed at seven parks, and it only ended up being six because costs got so high that they abandoned the last project. And and so whenever there's that amount of money up in the air, uh, you can you can bet that investigators are not going to be far behind. So Loft looked into it. The auditor had been looking at it before uh, from a different angle, not not so much from expenditures, but in more in their practices and did find some problems there. Well, now the state auditor's office has pulled back in as a, uh, Prater uh, requested a formal audit on on uh, on the on the deal as well. So now you've got the auditor's office, the OSBI behind this thing, and and I, for now the, the AG's office did say they're going to let this thing roll out with the OSBI for now. So the AG has not opened any extra investigation. The governor he said a couple of days ago that you know if he had to, to ask for another audit he would, but that's not going to have to happen now because Prater already did. So it's, it is an all-hands-on-deck situation for sure for, for local law enforcement. So, Dave, some people are concerned that the way Swadley's won its bid to operate in state parks was also unusual, not just the contract. Tell us what you've learned about the way that Swadley's uh, secured this state contract. Well, that's a, uh, Dale, that's a good question. That's another one that, pro- that I have no doubt that law enforcement is going to be looking at because our whistleblower told us that uh, he and Brent Swadley – met with Jerry Winchester and Gino DeMarco, the executive director and the deputy director of, of tourism in the fall before the bidding ever went out and that they toured four parks together and they spent the night at the Sequoia Lodge and they talked about what might happen next. And and from my understanding, they called it a consulting trip. And the idea was let Swadley tell us what he is going to do with these spaces and let him dream on how we, we can do this. And, and that's essentially, they basically said, do what you want to do. Uh, I mean, that's, that's not a direct quote or anything like that, but that's the, the, the spirit of this thing was, we're going to hand this thing over to you, Brent, and you're going to deliver this top 10 experience for the governor, and everybody's going to be really happy. And, and so that's that meeting. And then when the bidding begins, it was all done very quietly. It was never announced in the media. It was never posted anywhere publicly. Uh, instead, the tourism uh, cherry-picked uh, some vendors from their the, the list that they choose from, and they had to go through it a couple of times to get down to the right list because the beginning list they had didn't had only had four restaurants that had the Swadley's uh, profile, and Swadley's was not on the list of the original vendors that they sent out to, and and so to this day, tourism hasn't been able to explain how Swadley's even knew about the bid. If, uh, if they weren't on the list, other than this meeting that they had previous to the bidding going out. So it all looks very murky. It all looks very dark. It all looks a little dirty, to be honest with you. 
Uh, and and it, because at the end of the day, Swadley's was the only uh, of the potential bidders that submitted a bid. So just to illustrate how unusual this bidding process was, um, you wrote about a restaurant owner who was operating in Beaver's Bend State Park. So they had a state park contract at the time before Swadley's came in, won the bid. And this restaurant owner said they didn't get the chance to bid on the state park contract. Then that owner reported a strange encounter with Swadley himself. So can you just tell us about all of that? The inimitable Cindy Stovall. Uh, what a what a brave lady. Yeah, she called me a couple of weeks ago after I'd, I'd been trying to get a hold of her for some time. Um, and it was after, I think, the first reporting that we did, she finally got a hold of me. And uh, she explained that, yes, uh, she and her husband, Danny, had the contract on the Beaver's Bend restaurant uh, as of 2019, as of November of 2019. They had been in contact with the Department of Tourism and were under the impression that the the uh, option on their five-year deal was going to be picked up and they were going to continue to operate for another five years. She had no reason to disbelieve that. They told her to get the paperwork in because it takes a minute to do that. Uh, then, and she explained, I remember, she said, I remember the day it came, they got a letter on December, they got a call on December 24th saying, hey, we're not so sure you're going get, to get, uh, get that pick, that option picked up. We're considering some other options and uh, we'll let you know if your bid is picked up on February 15th. No later than February 15th, we'll let you know. And she, uh, Cindy told me that she did not hear from the state until uh, 5 o'clock on February 15th. And at that time, she was told that they would not be, uh, their option would not be picked up and they had 30 days to vacate. Before, uh, before that date, Brent Swadley and a crew came to her restaurant with uh, measuring tapes and tools to start figuring out what they were going to do with her place. This, of course, before he had been granted the bid. Uh, once he was granted the bid, he came back again and and, and, and and is just trying to sort of, well, they're, they're doing work while they're operating. And, and, and it got a little bit ugly. Her husband had words with him and they, they ended up getting a call from the state right away saying, don't be rude to the Swadley's folks. But uh, on Swadley's first visit, before they had the bid, he was making these grand uh, announcements about what he was going to do with the place and, and, and talking about we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And, and, and she said if anybody ever said anything about how expensive it was, he, he, he would say something like, don't worry, I have a direct line to the governor. And, and just talking very boastfully and, and in her view, very disrespectfully uh, to her, to she and her husband who were currently operating the space they were standing in. So that, that left a bad taste in her mouth. And of course, when, when they lost the bid, they were even more furious because they really, they, they, they ended up actually moving the Beaver's Bend restaurant into Broken Bow. Uh, they took the signage and everything and they took off. And part of Cindy's gripe on this whole thing was that their contract was very different. Every month they sent 3% of the gross receipts to the state, no matter what. No matter whether they profited or didn't, 3% of tickets came in, go to the state. And she said they never they, they never had any assistance uh, fixing up uh, broken windows or roof or floor or anything like that. They needed it desperately. She said they sunk their own money into the space more than once and, and never had any offers to, uh, to for compensation. And so she said to me, you know, it just seems like something really wrong is going on here when somebody can come in. And, and enact all this work just without any with without anything holding him back. So yeah, she had plenty to say, and uh, and rightfully so. Just to clarify, the Stovalls were never given an opportunity to renegotiate their contract. They had the option, and that was their only way to hang on to to, to hang on to the restaurant was if the state chose to hang to do the option on their place. Because my understanding is, with the other uh, 
at that time, like I said, they were talk, talking five properties. With the other four operators, they weren't all in line, I don't think. I don't think all the contracts were going to come free at the same time. And so they couldn't do one thing at once. So I guess they kind of left that option open uh, to stick with what they had in case Swadley didn't send in a bid, which he was always going to do by the sound of things. Now, you touched on this briefly, but how is the Stovall's contract in Beaver's Bend structured differently from the deal that Swadley's has now? It seems like uh, Swadley's got some perks that the Stovall's didn't get. Yeah, we didn't talk about uh, like the management fees that Swadley's gets. So, so the Stovall's and every other concessionaire in Oklahoma, to this day, not named Swadley, pay, pay a percentage of gross receipts or some kind, like at the Capitol... The Be Healthy Cafe there, I believe they pay $300 a month in, in rent, which is very cheap for a restaurant. Okay, so that's sort of the, the same thing. 3% gross receipts, that is a very favorable uh, option for a restaurateur. It's fair. It's not, you know, because you can lose money and still have to pay 3% in. So it isn't, it isn't you know, without risk, but it is, it is very fair. It's more than fair, let's say. That's not a deal that, uh, that a restaurateur would get uh, from a private uh, landowner, anything like that. Um, and so it was very fair and generous towards the operators, knowing that they weren't going to get a lot of support. Uh, and, and so, like I say, she had no option to, to send bills to the state whenever she had to patch up her floor. Uh, she never had a chance to send. Uh, yeah, she told me she put tar on the roof uh, last fall out of their own pocket. And that's, they didn't ever think about billing the state. That was clear in their, in their contract that, that was going to be on them. So with Swadley's, he not only had the option to do that, but he had sort of a almost an unspoken mandate to do that. He, he not only went in and, and changed things around, like the Beaver's Bend restaurant isn't even that old, but completely raised it, brought in all new equipment, all new kitchen equipment, everything brand new, uh, and, 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 and turned these things into like, uh, almost like, uh, like something you would see at an amusement park, you know, bright, shiny, you know, uh, bells and whistles. We've got the, the, the vintage camper in one. There's an upside down airplane in another. The other, uh, the one in Robert's case ha- cave has a mine shaft, you know, they're sort of over the top, I guess. And again, none of that was discussed. None of that came up in, 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 uh, in joint session. There was no conversations about any of this stuff. So the expenses were strictly from what from what our reporting shows is from, Jerry Winchester very plainly said in the in the loft meeting uh, when he had to go before loft he said well yeah these I guess would, would be my idea they came in and I signed off on them so he sort of took responsibility for for these very expensive changes but at no point is there anywhere in writing where someone said hey I got an idea let's go big on restaurants it just sort of happened and of course you got to remember this is all going on during the pandemic and. Attention was elsewhere, you know, <laughs> easy to say no big contracting suddenly became okay for a little while. You know, it, tourism hasn't even latched onto that, that no big uh, contracting happened. But it, there was a lot of chaos going on and it just looks, it looks from the reporting, it looks like there was just, there were, there was opportunities that arose that got taken advantage of. Another piece of this that stuck out to me, um, so the Stovalls and Beaver's Bend had to pay 3% of their revenue every year, regardless of whether they made money or lost money. If I remember correctly from your story, Swadley does not have to pay money until he makes a certain amount of profit. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. So Swadley's makes money in a number of different ways through this through this contract, there's the, the capital improvements that I just mentioned. Uh, he Initially, there was invoices that had almost no 
no details, no, no, in, no uh, receipts or anything. Then when the receipts start showing up, there's these 30%, mostly 30% surcharges, management fees and consulting fees added to each, each invoice. And then, and then we get into regular management fees, which were, which they agreed to, which the state agreed to by contract, uh, paying as much as $94,000 a month to Swadley's to operate these restaurants. It's not always that amount. In fact, it's usually more in the $77,000 a month range, and it's been down as low as like $20,000 a month, depending on how many restaurants are operating. But either way, you're talking about an exorbitant amount of money just off the top that Swadley's gets to operate. And this, you got to remember, they don't own anything in the restaurant. The chairs, the tables, the flatware, the equipment, all of that is paid for by the state. And so their only risk at this point now it comes down to insurance, and uh, and 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 maybe the booze uh, the booze insurance, which they, they were they got that paid for by the state and didn't even serve booze for a while because they didn't want to take on that they didn't want to take on the liability, so they just took the money and, and never did that as far as the records show. So you have those management fees that that come in. And when you put it all together, it just, it's almost, at some point it became almost like an open checkbook. You know, he was getting management fees in by the thousands. And then you look at the invoices and the bills coming back are sometimes up six figures just for kitchen, uh, uh, kitchen equipment. And then you get into the, like I mentioned before, some of this crazy stuff, uh, down at Quartz Mountain, he, they, uh, they installed a water feature out in front of the lodge that I'm told actually obscures the view of the mountain. And, I don't know how a water feature, where how water feature affects the restaurant. You know, it's just you're getting into some stuff that, like I said, we mentioned before, the criminal investigators are going to have plenty to look at in this situation. Well, one last question here for you, Dave. Um, since you're the food dude, I have to ask about the food. Um, with the state paying all this money, is the food even good? It's a valid question uh, because, for one thing, uh, the governor's office is, is certain that they are. Uh, because they're touting it. Uh, one of their one of their spokesmen uh, was on Twitter, uh, feature uh, showing off a Winchester burger that he enjoyed through the week. Gave it a ten out of ten. Of course, I'm sure he paid for it with a P card. Always makes it a little bit cheaper, a little tastier when you don't have to pay for it yourself, I suppose. But uh, I kid, I kid. No, uh, so they're touting the quality of the burger, and they're tout, and they're very happy to say that we, you know fixed up the bathrooms in the States and we're on our way and the food's a lot better and the service is a lot better. Well, they're not, they're not completely making that up. Uh, we, I have a survey. I have the, the state did a survey and they've got a lot of feedback and there is some good feedback on the food in the restaurant. There are, there's, there's plenty of good feedback, but it's not all good feedback. And we'll, we have some more coverage lined up and we'll kind of get into the breakdown of that stuff. There were plenty of complaints uh, about Foggy Bottom, a lot of them actually. Uh, not and, and some of them have to do with service, which is what the state said they wanted. Better food, better service, and let's not lose quite as much money as we lost before. Well, when you look at it, and this is, more, this is some more reporting that we'll have to, uh, that we're looking at and, and hope to publish soon, is kind of breaking that down. Is that what happened? Do, do we have better food? Do we have better service? And are we losing just a little bit more money? I, it's really hard to say that on the last part. Uh, they showed some modest gains, uh, well, modest losses that didn't that weren't as bad as losses from the past but you got to remember foggy bottom has only been operating since 2020 so their first year they only operated two months uh in in the parks and with the pandemic going on too so they weren't open as much to lose as they weren't open to lose as much money during that time so it's a little bit skewed but 
you know, the, the, the people have the final say. If they enjoy the burgers more, then mission accomplished. But again, did they, are they losing less money? Well, even if they're losing less money month to month, the amount of money spent on the front end, you've got to factor in. And so it's really hard to say that they've improved anything for cheaper, even if they have. That's, I guess that's my point. If they have improved the food and improved the service, that's great. But they cannot say they did it for slightly less money. Because even if, like I say, if they're losing less money month to month now, that's fine. But how much have they spent on these restaurants to get there? So that will be the final question I have for, in this coverage going forward. And that's one we're still trying to get to. Dave, this is a fascinating story, and I'm, I'm so glad you're covering it. You're doing a great job, and I, I can't wait for uh, to, to read more of what's coming out in the future that I know you're working on. Thanks for joining us. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. This podcast is possible because of the Oklahomans' subscribers. Now, we encourage you to subscribe if you can, because you can read these stories that Dave's written and more every day in the Oklahoman and at oklahoman.com. Check back next Friday for a new episode.